Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. All right, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Uh, those of you who are uh, here in person in the room and uh, the vast majority of you that are at home online, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, first of all, let me just say this. I have missed you. I've missed you. Now, I've been here uh, on campus, but I've missed, uh, I've missed preaching. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, uh, Pastor Scott and Pastor Ryan uh, filled in for me uh, while I was healing from my knee surgery. They did a great job, and uh, I'm, I'm feeling better. I actually walked up the stairs uh, here this morning unassisted, and uh, so each and every uh, day I'm feeling better and better, and uh, not 100% yet, but I'll be back in the gym soon and uh, back to my old ways, I guess, so to speak, but but, uh, but first of all, again, just thank you guys for your prayers. Uh, but it's great to be here today. Great to be here uh, speaking, sharing God's word with you. And I'm excited about today. I'm excited about this uh, important series that we're starting today called Undivided. Now, I'm excited about it uh, for several reasons. First of all, I'm excited about just the subject matter, what we're going to be talking about. And maybe you're not really clear, maybe you're not really sure exactly what it is we're going to be talking about and why we're doing this series in the first place. Well, to explain that, uh, I'd like to read a statement uh, from the Mission Charleston website. Mission Charleston is the uh, nonprofit, uh, church kind of wide organization that initiated uh, this series and uh, this community effort. And uh, I'd like to read a statement from their website that I think best explains what this series is all about, why it's important, and why we as a church decided to join and be all in. Here's what they said Revelation 7 9 casts the glorious vision of a city undivided by ethnic, cultural, language, or racial barriers, united in worship of God Most High. While every sincere Christian longs for that day, the Savior taught us to pray here and now, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now against that backdrop of this beautiful vision, our, our city has experienced centuries of racial sin against people of color. The lingering effects of both the sin and the pain are affecting people and relationships in Charleston today. After the Mother Emanuel AME Church murders, the gospel of grace pierced the hatred and pain and blessed our city. And uh, several weeks ago, uh, Chris Singleton shared his story and talked about that very thing. Steps toward reconciliation between the ethnicities were seen in many ways, but the vision of an undivided city is still yet to come. When the very public murders of Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd brought the nation to a crisis, our city, Charleston, was affected too. The pain, the fear, and the trauma in the black community revealed a division that many had hoped had been relegated to the past. We realize that the problems are much broader, the division caused by sin much deeper, and the hearts and souls of our black neighbors remain profoundly and justly hurt by this sin. Now to ignore this, or just to hope that it will go away, is to become like the priest in the parable of the Good Samaritan. We confess that 
Too often, our churches and our leaders have focused more on keeping things comfortable than making things right. We confess that too often, people of color in our city have been the ones to bear the burden of contending for racial unity and educating people in the community regarding issues of race and justice. Therefore, we believe that God is calling the church at this moment to respond in such a way that acknowledges past and current sin, proclaims the good news of Jesus as the only source of true reconciliation, and commits to strengthening our discipleship structures in order to bring about generational change. We fully recognize that we cannot accomplish all of this in one event, one sermon series, or one discipleship class. But we know we need to start somewhere. Our hope is that this multi-ethnic gospel initiative called Undivided will allow us as the church united here in Charleston uh, by holding up the gospel of Jesus as the answer to the problems of our day. It is our intent to rely on the power of that gospel to to drive us to unified action in the work of justice and, and reconciliation. And so, as pastors and as church leaders, we invite you to stand with us as we proclaim this hope in this undivided sermon series. Amen? Amen. That's what this series is all about. And that's why we've decided to to go all in and uh, to be a part of it. But again, and I want you to hear this loud and clear from me today. You know, things like this, it's, it's really just a start. You know, there, there's no way that I can dissect, dissect and address uh, all of these issues, you know, related to this topic in three sermons in three weeks. It really is meant to be just the start of kind of an ongoing conversation. You know, not to, to shy away from these issues and a commitment uh, as a pastor and as a church, you know, not to remain silent. Now, again, let me, let me say this. I, I definitely do not stand before you today uh, claiming to be an expert on, on these issues. But I do stand before you today, first and foremost, as a fellow follower of Jesus and as a pastor, you know, called to proclaim truth and, and to speak out about sin, all sin, and, and injustice, and to, and to point people to Jesus. Ultimately, we believe the only hope of this world. And I do stand before you today simply as a, as a lifelong learner. You know, someone who's growing and changing and learning, and, and someone who's willing to do, you know, the hard necessary work, someone who's willing to ask difficult questions, and, and even to admit my own biases, and to get uncomfortable. And to push you maybe to get a little uncomfortable. And to listen. Uh, to listen to those who have maybe a different experience than my own. And maybe most importantly, to stand together. And to stand with those who are uh, hurting and suffering. You know, again, the other reason that I'm, I'm so excited about this series is that this idea that We don't just stand alone in proclaiming this truth and talking about these issues. In fact, as you uh, have 
probably heard me say already, um, there's over 25 other churches in the Charleston area today who are beginning this series with us. And I'm excited about that, that we, we stand together united as a church here in Charleston. So what exactly um, will I be preaching on? you know, for the next three weeks? What's the, what's the subject matter? Well, uh, we're actually going to be using Micah chapter 6, verse 8, uh, as the theme verse for this entire series as we begin to unpack these, these issues from a biblical perspective and, and, and point people toward uh, the gospel, as we always do here at Coastal. Now, my guess is that unless you've uh, made your way through a one-year Bible reading program or plan, uh, you've probably not been in uh, the book of Micah recently, right? Okay, Micah basically is known as one of the minor prophets in the Bible. Not minor in terms of significance, but minor in terms of, of length. Uh, Micah is basically a prophet. Uh, he's a country preacher who was called into service by God to call God's people once again back to repentance, back to him. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been just really, really angry with God, you know, about maybe your circumstances or about what's happening in your life, so much so that you just wanted to yell and scream and basically just plead your case before him, almost like you're in a courtroom, right? Just kind of plead your case. Now, my guess is that, you know, in the last several months particularly, probably many of you have been there and done that, or at least felt that way. Okay, so that right there is exactly what's going on here in the sixth chapter of Micah. Listen as I begin reading in verse one. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. So what's happening here is that God is giving his people a chance to kind of bring their grievances before him in like a courtroom setting. But right now they remain silent. So in verse 2, God speaks in his own defense and levels some charges against his people. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. By the way, let me pause here for just a moment and say, that the sooner we discover that we really have no case against God, the better. Because he's the one who has a case against us, all of us. He's the one who has grievances against us. We are the ones who have sinned against a holy God. Check out how he defends himself in verses three and four. My people... What have I done to you? How, how have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to you and Aaron and Miriam. Now, just like us, the people of God basically had a short memory. You know, they'd forgot God's faithfulness. And so here's God reminding them how he, brought, he set them free from slavery, brought them out, up out of the, the land of Egypt, gave them good leaders, brought them to the land of promise. By the way, that's a good reminder for all of us today. 
And I know so many of you right now, either here or watching this, you know, it's like you've got this long list of, of grievances against God, and you feel like you're in the midst of, you know, a storm and chaos and, and just confusion, and you're angry and you're hurt. And listen to me, in the midst of all of that, we've got to remember that our God has, just like for the children of Israel, he redeemed us, he has forgiven us, he has set us free, he has brought us to the land of promise, and he has remained faithful and loving throughout it all. But we forget that, just like them. So in verse 6, uh, the people respond. And they respond very much like people do today when someone calls you out on your sin. When someone calls you out on your uh, uh, you know, hypocrisy or you know, uh, just the, the sin in your own life. Or, they become very sarcastic and defensive. We do the same thing. Listen to what they say. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before his, the exalted God? Now, what they're really wondering here basically is, well, how can we appease God, you know, get him off our back, and still do whatever we want to do? Still live according to our own pleasures, our own, our own life. Sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? Things have not really changed. And then they ask this series of questions that get uh, more and more absurd. And, and the questions all relate to uh, their worship practices and, and uh, their offerings. Okay, And they, they increase in, in value and absurdity. Listen to this. Shall I come before uh, him with burnt offerings, with, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Listen to this extreme. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And so you begin to sense their, their sarcasm here. And again, in the midst of just a lot of chaos, the implication is, well, God, you're just unfair, and you are ultimately impossible to please. And I think sometimes we fall into the same trap, thinking that, you know, that God is unreasonable, and therefore we can do nothing to please him. And at the heart, this whole conversation reveals just this big, huge misunderstanding about how we relate to God. And this is where I'm driving at. These people thought, well, they just need to change their worship or their rituals, their outward appearance. And God counters by saying, listen, people of God, you need to change your ways. You need to change your heart. And what God wants, what he's calling them to, and what he's calling us to today is repentance that leads to a relationship of obedience. And so with this, you know, a little bit of a back and forth, God responds in verse 8. He has showed you, O mortal, what is good. In other words, this is God basically saying, listen, guys, what I'm about to say now is nothing new. I have spelled this out over and over and over again. You're just not listening. And what does the Lord require of you? In other words, hold on to your seats if you've ever wanted to know what it is that God expects from us. What are his expectations? Here it is. This is what he says. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's it. And so Coastal, for the next several weeks, that's what we're going to talk about each week, each one of those. Today, 
do justice. Next Sunday, love mercy. And then finally, walk humbly with God. As it relates toward this idea of gospel-driven racial reconciliation. Let's dive in. Do justice. What does it mean? It literally means to do the right thing. Now, all apologies to Spike Lee. He wasn't the first one to come up with that, okay? It literally means to do the right thing. It is compassion moved to action. And so the call here for God's people is not just to be supportive of right and just causes, but then to actually act justly in our relationships with other people. In other words, we can't just sit by and feel bad for people. We just can't you know, feel better by watching other people do the right thing. In other words, and I've heard somebody say this recently, it's not enough just not to be a racist. You've got to be anti-racist and then move to action. You got to do something about it. In fact, Micah got, you know, got mad when he saw injustice happen, and he proclaimed it, he called it out, and then he was moved to action. In fact, one of the reasons why Israel, the people of Israel, were actually sent into captivity in the very first place is because they didn't act with justice. In other words, they didn't care for the least of these among them. To act justly is to, it's to have God's heart to have God's heart for people. We're to be people who act, not just talk about it. In Proverbs 21.3, it says this, to do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than, than sacrifice. Now, the sin of racism Treating people differently, harshly, or less than because of the color of their skin. Listen, that, that has been a problem from the beginning of time. In fact, you actually see it, it raise its ugly head all throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. I mean, over and over again, the children of Israel had, had a problem with this, thinking that you know, they were better than other people, or other people were, were less than them. In fact, in Deuteronomy 10, 19, uh, God reminds them. He says, so you, too, must show love to foreigners, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. I think sometimes we need to be reminded of that, who we are and where we've come from. In other words, don't, don't forget that. Don't forget who you are where you've come from, and don't forget others. In fact, then later on in Numbers chapter 12, uh, Miriam and Aaron are, are grumbling. They're kind of upset with Moses because of his Cushite wife, it says. Now, do, do you know why? What, what was the deal with her being a Cushite? Well, because she was a Cushite woman, that meant two things. That meant, number one, she was an Ethiopian, uh, and she wasn't Jewish. Okay, so in other words, she wasn't Jewish, and she was black. So this is like an interracial marriage. You know, she was from another, another nation, another ethnicity. And so they're giving him a hard time about it. But you know what? God gets upset. God intervenes, and he actually gives Miriam leprosy. I mean, it's almost as though God was saying, okay, Miriam, you think the color of your skin is so important? Well, I'm going to give yours leprosy. Wow. 
But it's not just in the Old Testament. Fast forward to the New Testament. The early church had to face and fight this issue uh, from the very beginning. You know, I mean, think about it. The, the first Christians, the early Christians were actually converted Jews. And now for generations, these people had grown up in this system where they were taught, you know, and came to believe that they were better than others. They were better, especially than the Gentiles because of their race. So much so that they hated the Gentiles. And, and, and they wanted to keep them out of the church as they began to come to Christ. And so the Apostle Paul had to stand up and he had to proclaim truth and put them in their place. But I want you to listen to um, a, very a very important passage as it relates to this whole topic here. It's found in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were, what, proud of their circumcision even though it only affected their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among God's people, and you did not know the covenant promises that God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. He says that's what your life was like before Jesus, before Christ. But now, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought Peace to us. Listen to this. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body, Jesus' body, on the cross, he actually broke down the wall of hostility that separates us. And he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. And he made peace between Jews and Gentiles, by creating in himself one new people from those two groups. And so now together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Wow. Don't you see? That, that's the power of Jesus. That's the power of the gospel. That's why ultimately the answer, it's Christ. It's Jesus. You see, not only does Jesus break down, it says here, you know, the wall of anger and hostility between you and others. Listen, that's not where it ends. You know, not only does Jesus get rid of the hatred between the races, that's not where it ends. Now in Christ, get this, you ready? We actually become one. One people. We are family. You know, that, that person from a different race, that person of a different ethnicity, that person of a different uh, experience than yours, listen, they're brothers, brothers and sisters in Jesus. That's the power of the gospel. And that's why the gospel of Christ is the answer. But I think we gotta be honest with ourselves and admit that um, in our own country, uh, the church, historically, has often been on the wrong side of this issue. You know, in the early history of America, there were churches 
especially here in the Deep South, that actually used the Bible to justify slavery. And then in more recent history, to justify segregation. You know, personally, as a child in the 70s, I remember uh, the controversy uh, in the Baptist church our family went to on James Island when uh, a black family came forward to join the church. On Sunday nights, uh, the congregation would uh, come back together and vote on people who had come forward in the morning for membership. And that black family was not allowed to join. And everyone knew why. You know, even here at Coastal, about 10 years ago, um, our church did a series on sex called That's What He Said. Okay? Uh, kind of a play, kind of a joke, you know, play off the that's what she said jokes, you know. Uh, if you're an office fan, you know, you're especially aware of that. Um, but the idea was for the series was that, hey, this is what he says. This is what God's word says about uh, sexuality. Um, actually, here's a, uh, here's a picture on the screen uh, of uh, the mailing that we sent out uh, of this series. Um, honestly, it was a great, great series. Um, well, one particular Sunday before church, during the, begin- at the very beginning of the series, an older white gentleman uh, who at that point had been at Coastal for about a year, uh, he came up to me just minutes before church was, uh, you know, before the service was to get started, and he came up to me demanding uh, that he talk to me, he needed to have a conversation with me. So I could tell he was upset, and uh, we went into my office, and uh, he got, I mean, like, literally right up in my face. I mean, like, in my face, in my space, okay? And he is just visibly shaken and angry, and uh, he actually pulls out that mailing, and he starts shaking it in my face, and this is basically what he said. He said, Pastor Chris, you talk all the time about us, you know, inviting our friends, you know, to church. Well, you tell me how. How am I supposed to invite my friends to this church when you throw this S-H-I-T, And he didn't spell it out. In our face. Now, honestly, at that moment, I thought he was was upset that we were talking about sex. I mean, I honestly did. And so for a really quick second or two, I started saying something about that, just kind of explaining to him what we were going to do, what it was going to be all about, trying to calm him down. But no, 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 no. Then very quickly, he corrected me. And do you know what he was upset about? He was upset that the mailer, on the cover of the mailer, had a black man and a white woman together, in a, you know, basically a, a relationship. But he did not say black man. And so I told him that if he and his friends had a problem with the mailer, then he and his friends would have a problem with this church and this pastor. And so he turned around, said a few other choice words, and walked out of my office and never came back to our church. So guys, you know, I, I like what Chris Singleton said several weeks ago. Sure, we've, we've come a long way, but we still have a way to go. So what do we do? You know, how can we continue to see growth and change in this area? Let me leave you with three. 
First of all, change your own attitude. Change your attitude. Just change has got to start with, with you and with me as, as individuals. And so I think we need to do the hard work. You know, I think we need to recognize the reality of, of the biases that we all have. You know, the biases and the prejudices. And listen, you don't have to burn crosses or wear a swastika to be prejudiced or to have biases. And I think we as individuals need to start and just you know, admit that to God and, and beg God to change our own hearts and that we would begin to see people, all people, the way he does. So how does God see people? Well, look at 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the what? At the heart. Now honestly and very obviously, guess what? We're not God. Okay? And, and we can't see people's hearts. As long as we're on this side of eternity, we are going to struggle with this. With sizing people up and making judgments based on outward appearances. And so start with you. You know, confess your shortcomings, confess your biases, pray, ask God to give you his eyes to, you know, begin to see people and, and circumstances the way he does. Number two, change your parenting. Change your parenting. You know, parents, you play the greatest role in either creating prejudiced attitudes in the lives of your children or stemming the flow of racism in our culture. Parents, to a large extent, determine whether their kids are going to grow up and be bigots or bridge builders. And mom and dad, you just start by paying attention to how you treat people equally and fairly and speaking up when you see injustice. And, and parents, modeling Christ-like acceptance of all people, monitoring the words that you speak about, about people who are different than you and your family. Now, here's a big one, and this is one that um, I think we all need to work on. Make, make it normal to have people that are different than you into your home. You know, I, I, I jokingly told a, a group of guys here at our church that, uh, that uh, barbecue, a barbecue meal can heal a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of tension. And I, what I really meant by that is just this idea of just inviting people you know, into your home for, a dinner, for dinner, for a meal that are maybe of a different background or different race or different experience than yours. And actually, because we at Coastal believe so strongly in helping parents teach their children, we decided to do something about it and to come alongside and help just a little bit. And so we decided to give every family uh, here at Coastal um, a free copy of Chris Singleton's book, Different. Um, a story about, about loving your neighbor. Uh, now, for those of you uh, who are here today in person, uh, you can actually just pick up a copy on the kiosk on your way out. Uh, but for the vast majority of you uh, this morning uh, that are watching this online, uh, you can drop by anytime during office hours during the week and we'll have one available for you. Or you just sit down with your kids and uh, you know, read a story about being different and about loving your neighbor 
Again, mom and dad, that, that's where it starts. That, that's where it begins. And by the way, if for some reason you're not available uh, to come by the office during the week and pick up a copy during office hours, we will actually, we'll even mail it to you. So just leave a comment online uh, today. We'll make note of that, and we will get you a copy. So change yourself, your own attitude. Change your parenting. And then finally, change your actions. Go out on a limb and stretch yourself out of your own comfort zone from time to time. Take action when you see injustice. Again, what is justice? It's to do the right thing. It's compassion moved to action. Uh, that might include voting. It does. It includes voting, marching. Uh, be intentional about building bridges with people that are, that are just different than you are have different experiences, have a different story, a different ethnicity. In fact, I want to share a story about uh, you know, being a bridge builder and um, being intentional about that. Uh, back in 1953, actually three years before uh, Martin Luther King Jr. hit the national scene, a decade before the 64 Civil Rights Act, Billy Graham actually stunned the sponsoring committee of his Chattanooga, T Tennessee crusade, his evangelism crusade. And at the committee meeting prior to the crusade, Billy Graham talked about how personally he was against the practice of segregation and segregated seating even at his crusades. And so then one night as the crusade began, Billy Graham walked down the aisle and he personally tore down the ropes that separated blacks from whites. Listen, in 1953, that was a bold statement. That was a bold act of bridge building, a, a bold act of justice that said, Christians, people who say they follow Jesus, should be the most active in reaching out to people of other races. You see, we should be leading the way. Ultimately, the sin of racism and injustice is overcome the same way all sin is overcome. When you deny yourself and you lift up Jesus above yourself. You lift up others above yourself yourself. You see, by the way, it's not enough to say, oh, well, we're all, you know, one and we're all equal in Christ. Actually, in Christ, guess what? Everybody else is above you. And you lower yourself and you lift up everyone above you. And if we were all to do that, it would solve the problem. For you have never locked eyes with another human being who doesn't matter to God just as much as you do. You've never stared into the face of another human being who was not created in the image of God and for whom Jesus did not die. So we gotta be prayerful. We gotta be intentional. We gotta stand up for those who are being put down. We need to speak up for those who are being shut down. Listen, Coastal, I dream of a church that is far more interested in how a person lives rather than where they live, how a person shares rather than what they wear. I dream of a church who, who, looks as, as, who looks as multirational in its auditorium as it will one day in heaven. For you see, when, when the church is unified, our God is glorified. Guys, listen, I don't want Coastal to be known you know, as a white church or a black church. I want us to be known as a Jesus church. Ultimately, change, ultimately, church diversity is not about the color of your skin. You see, it's about the wages of all of our sin. We are all sinners 
in need of God's grace. We're all sinners in need of a savior. In fact, go back to Micah chapter six. Again, what did verse seven say? The people cried out, hey, shall I, shall I offer the firstborn, my, my firstborn of, for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Guess what? Guess what? Here's the good news. We don't have to do that because God has already done it. He did this. He actually offered his firstborn for our transgressions, for yours, for mine, for everyone's, for the sin of our souls. Friends, listen to me. By the way, what God requires, remember, to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly, what he requires of us, he has already provided for us through his son Jesus. What did he do? God acted with justice by demanding payment for our sin. But he accepted it through his one and only son, Jesus. That's where he provided mercy. By allowing his own son, Christ, to take the punishment for our sin on the cross. And now, listen to this, I wanna end with this, right here. Now, he is patiently waiting on you to receive him and to walk with him to have a relationship with him, to be forgiven, to have a promised home in heaven forever, and to have the power and the ability to live for him day by day while we wait for his return or he calls us home. You can have all of that and more right here and right now. It is as simple and yet as beautiful as a prayer. And Coastal, I'd like to pray with you and for you. For those of you especially here now that are ready to come home, that are ready to receive forgiveness and new life in Christ so that we might be one, that we might do justice, that we might do the right thing. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I thank you for your word and I thank you for, for your great, great love. Father, we, we do confess that so often throughout history, uh, the church, Christians, have not led the way. Father, help us to, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. Help us, God, to be the voice for the voiceless, to speak up and to speak out for those who are put down and cast aside. Father, help us to be moved compassionately toward action and care and love. And Father, help us to start with our own, our own attitudes, our own hearts, to confess and admit our own biases and prejudices and to begin to move toward a right relationship with you and others. And Father, I pray for the moms and dads here that we would uh, bring about generational change through teaching our children about what it truly means to be in Christ, to be brothers and sisters with the world. And Father, um, I also pray that we as individuals and as a church would be moved to action. Listen, if you are here today and you are ready to come home, you are ready to begin that humble walk with God. Listen, just 
Pour out your heart to him right here and now. He has already paid the way. You don't have to pay for your sin. Jesus already has. Just pour out your heart to him right now. Just admit it. Say, pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I have gone my own way. I have done my own thing. I have walked away from you. But God, today, I repent of all of that. I turn around and I turn toward Christ. And I, I admit that I'm a sinner and I ask Christ right now, Jesus, come into my life. I humbly ask you to forgive me, to love me, to call me your own. I believe, I believe, Jesus, that you're God's son, that you went to the cross for me and my sin, and that you proved who you were, your power over sin and death. You rose from the dead, and you are alive. And God, now for the rest of my life, I just want to follow Jesus. I want to become more and more like you see me now, your son, your daughter forever your child. And Father, today as, as a church, as a community, we, we want to do better. We want to be moved to compassionate action in our community, in our families, in our churches, and in our world. Father, help us to be that voice for the voiceless. Help us to be bridge builders. Help us to unite with brothers and sisters all people, all races, for all time. We love you, Father, and I pray this today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.